This episode is sponsored by Invited Coffee, a medium roasted blend from Central and South American Arabica coffee beans. This neighborhood blend was designed with the community in mind, as it features a local artist on its packaging. Whether it's signature cold brewed or soon to be roasted coffee, Invited Coffee starts with the community, in other words, celebrates one another. You can find Invited Coffee at MakerHoodsMarket.com and search for Invited Coffee. On March 1st, 1961, there was a man by the name of Wendell Scott. He was the first African-American to actually drive NASCAR, and he was the first African-American to win NASCAR in 1963. He was not given his winnings until he wasn't able to stand up on the platform. You know, I don't know if they drank milk back then, but to drink the milk, he was denied that until a couple of days later. And, you know, it was only enough to really cover his gas to get back home. And, um, and you know, not much has changed uh, since then. As you know, I think there's only been seven or eight African-American drivers in NASCAR. You know, but they're trying to make some changes. Uh, there's this program, which is called NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program, that tries to get more people of color and women drivers into the ranks early in the Black Lives Matter movement this year. Uh, Bubba Wallace, you know, had a controversy um, due to a noose being in his garage, and um, he's been the highest African American to win or to win place in NASCAR with his second place uh, finish. If you don't know, NASCAR is, is tough. It's tough to enter. Racing in itself is hard uh, for African-Americans as well as um, probably just uh, lower-income individuals. One, you know, there's a couple of factors, you know, just lack of exposure to motorsports. Uh, there's also the high cost uh, to launch, to get someone to drive at a young age. If you haven't noticed, a lot of NASCAR cars in general uh, have sponsorship because the cost is just so exorbitant to get um, on the track and also to get uh, the quality tools needed in order to win. The Drive Diversity program, like I said before, is trying to change that, and Bubba Wallace was a, was actually from that program. And now we have an up-and-coming uh, young man that is fresh on the scene. He's going about it the right way. And I only talked to him for a couple of minutes before the the show started and great head on his shoulders. Uh, he is a son of alum of Georgetown, so I could see where his coolness comes from. <laughs> he he won his first race earlier here in October, and he's gonna just we're just gonna chat a little bit uh, and hear you know one about his journey and and two uh, what what some of the things he's looking forward to as a driver for NASCAR. And his name is uh, Raja Karuth. He goes by Raj. Hey, Raj, how you doing? Good. How are you, Mr. Dent? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I just want everyone to know this is the first time someone has called me Mr. on this show. So <laughs> this is fantastic. Day. How are you doing? Good, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh, of course. Tell me about a little bit about your journey. I know you were inspired by a cartoon and actually a, a movie, Lightning McQueen, and cars that really got you initially involved in this. And what was it about that movie that really inspired you? Um, I don't know if it was, it was, it was inspiration at that age. I think I was just, you know, being, I was what four or five when it came out. Um, I think it was more of a, just a, a 
fascination and, and an interest in it that okay. just developed into a passion and an interest, you know, as I got older. And yeah, really to answer your question, I think it was more of an interest and, and, you know, some of that, that, you know, caught my eye and, you know, that I didn't phase out, out of as I, as I got older. Okay. And then, and I forget the age, uh, I guess seven or eight, your dad actually took you out of school and, and surprised you and took you to your first race. Yeah. So that was, that was 2014. So we, we left school and, um, you know, Leah came, my little sister and, uh, my granddad was in town from England too. So we all went, we went, you know, down 95. I was, I didn't know until we got there and that was an experience I'll never forget. It's honestly what a lot of kids dream of is like, um, you know, something that they didn't know could be possible. And for me, it was, it was just awesome just to, you know, I'd watched it on TV for so many years and been interested in it for so long. Um, and to finally, you know, experience it. Wow. That's cool. It's great. It's always great when you're able to uh, follow or step into something that you're really passionate about. So tell me about the, the diversity driver program. How'd you get selected and what were some of the things that you had to do in order to, I guess, qualify or be selected? Yeah. So, so the NASCAR Draft for Diversity program, it's a whole initiative that's been around since I think 2007, 2008, and it not only, you know, has a driver development program, but also has a pit crew development program and a, a different program to get college students in, involved in racing too. And so really it just gets gets us involved. Um, and so with, with the driving aspect of it, which I'm in, um, you know, it's, it's an application-based program. And um, if you make it past the application stage, you know, you go through your tryouts and they just evaluate you through uh, your, your physical or your, your physique or not physique, but, you know, your fitness um, along with, you know, how you handle media and interviews and such. And then uh, you're on the track, um, you know, prowess and whatnot. It's assessed based off of both your on-track ability and how you are off the racetrack, because that's what you need to be successful in racing. Okay. And what, what are, what are some of the off-track things? Really? It's just, you know, social media and, and mm. how, what presence you have online, if you have a presence, you know, and, and in terms of finding a balance between being authentic, but at the same time, you know, making sure that or understanding that some stuff is better unsaid or not said, um, along with, you know, how you handle media, how you handle interviewers, you know, um, even if they ask you a weird question, you know, they're just asking a question at the end of the day. So, you know, it's no need for, you know, you see some people kind of mouth off and stuff with reporters and whatnot, but, um, you know, that's not really the way to, to go about it. Um, but, you know, amongst that, along with, um, just, you know, your lifestyle and your priorities and how much effort you put in. That's kind of a lot of the off-track stuff that's factored in, too. Do they purposely try to throw you off your game by, I guess, weird questions or making weird comments to see how you'll react? Not really. Um, not necessarily in this application process, but there, you know, I'm sure there are journalists that are hopefully, I guess they are like that, um, you know, in the wide variety of, of motorsports journalism, you know, you just got to treat them all the same, you know, as you should do already. Okay. All right. Great. So, um, as part of the, um, your program and I was reading up that you race late model cars. So for us lay people out there that don't really know what that means, give me a background. What's, what's a late model car and how is that different from, 
when you see in the, I guess, the NASCAR pro circuit, what's the difference in those cars? Yeah. So there's, it's a, you know, in, in all of NASCAR's divisions, they've got their three national tiers. Um, and that's their cup series, which is the top of the top. And then their Xfinity series and their Gander truck series. Um, and all these vehicles are different, you know, per division and they have different horsepower, uh, different, I guess, body styles and, and rules per division. Um, and late models and, and what I'm in, it's, it's more of a broad thing just because it's, you know, there's some regional concentration, but there's also a national, national points or ranking look at it as well. Um, and late model really is just a, a specific type of body uh, with, you know, a specific type of motor and rules and whatnot. And you race at certain tracks. Like I, I haven't raced on a track bigger than, you know, half a mile. So, um, you know, but in different divisions, you'll race at tracks, you know, two miles, a mile and a half. And with, you know, 20, 30 degrees of banking. So you'll be, you know, during insane speeds there. Okay. So that's really the, the difference. So in, so, uh, the Daytona, which is a well-known, how many many mile track is that? That's either two or two and a half miles. I'm not sure, but oh, I see. It's got 30, 33 degrees of banking in the corners, so you you go 200 plus at that racetrack, and it depends on the, the division. Like only the National Series go there, um, just because of how fast it is. Um, wow, right. Okay, and so realistically, to get to that that series, uh, the Pro- National Series. What are the steps you have to go through and how long or what are your goals for time-wise you think you, you'll be able to get there? I think my timeline, like ideally, you know, I would want to be there by the end of the decade. Some people would say, could say sooner. Some people could say later on after that. You know, whatever form it takes, I'm game. Um, you know, it's, it takes a lot to get there. Um, you know, you've got to have the financial backing. You've got to have the, that support. Um, along with the ability, you have to have the connections too, and uh, to to work through a plan to say, okay, I can be in line to race this car in the future. Because unlike other sports, you know, like the, you know the draft and stuff, you know, you'll you'll get drafted into a position, mm-hmm. um, especially in those national series, since you know there's only thirty five, forty cars per division, um, and so basically, you know, and those are people that either at the end of the, their careers or in the middle of their careers or have just started. So um, that coupled with, you know, their performance and if they want to retire or what, you know, it all factors into, you know, one day being in the cup series. Okay. 30 or 40. Wow. So you really have to do your work to get that far. Um, and so you mentioned um, sponsorship, which is obviously key. And I know, it, the average cost is about what eighteen or twenty million per team per car. So the fact that you you you're sponsored by is that I read that right? Sponsored by Sunoco. What does that mean for you, and how um, how helpful is that, that that you did get a sponsor from them? Yeah, so it's it's big, and you know the the money only just grows, you know, per division. And so in the Cup Series, like you said, you know, you'll have teams spending millions of dollars a year. Sometimes in a single weekend or race weekend, if they field multiple cars and, uh, you know, things like that. But where I'm at now, you know, sponsorship is important, too. Um, And although it's not quite in the millions, um, it's still, you know, pricey, you know, stuff that I can't pay out of pocket at all. (laughs) Right, right. um, You know, but it's big to have partners like Signoco and iRacing as well um, that support me and, you know, make sure that I can be in this program. And is that based on the sponsorship, is there any 
special things that you have to do as part of that, I guess, contract for them, like golf that has sponsors, but they have to do certain things or wear their gear. With this, is there any special things you have to do in order to uh, keep the sponsorship? Where I'm at right now, um, it's it's more, it's a lot more open, I think, um, in terms of, you know, requirements and whatnot. But once you make it to, you know, any national series event, since you get that TV time, you know, not to wear, you know, specific polos and, you know, do TV mm. spots and things mm. like that. So um, it all comes with the territory, but, you know, it also depends on the, the exposure that you get. Okay. Okay. Cool. So let's turn to driving. Uh, so as a driver, what are some important skills that you need uh, in order to be successful? Yeah. So, you know, as a driver, you, you have to, there's so many factors that you have to, uh, I guess, run through your head, you know, throughout a race, you know, thinking about tire consumption, race management, um, you know, the, the actual handling of your car and, um, you know, the laps you have left and uh, the conditions of the track and, you know, not to mention, you know, the other race cars and the other drivers that are out there too. So you got to be able to, you know, make decisions based on all of that information. It only helps with more experience. And so, you know, at a certain point, you know, you have the ability and you have the skills. So it's just assessing information and, you know, doing the best you can. And so another thing that I thought was interesting is that you you had mentioned uh, in a, a different interview uh, about iRacing, which was kind of esports, uh, and that's kind of where you got a lot of your practice from. Describe it, because you said you had mentioned that sometimes that's a little bit more stressful than actually being on the track. Why? Why is that? Yeah, I mean, it really depends. To be honest with you, I wouldn't say it's it's more stressful stressful per se just because you're not in an actual car and you know you don't have to pay for stuff if you crash and there's not as many you know extenuating circumstances that um you know will, will follow suit if you crash so um but at the same time um you know i have my my sim right back here you can kind of see it um oh nice so a lot of times sometimes it's a little bit harder just because um you know you don't have that same feeling and can use the same instincts that you have in real life. So mm -hmm. it's, it's all visual and all in your hands. So you, you can't really have the same reflexes and the same predictions as you can, you know, in a real race car. Oh, okay. I see. I also heard, I or read <laughs> that your mom was a little bit more nervous when you get your license. Than, yeah. than actually driving on the track. So so where was the first place you went by yourself? I think I probably wanted to get some food the first place I went. <laughs> probably got some tacos. I mean, it's cool. I, I drive kind of slow on the street now that I realize. Um, oh, really? I just I just like cruise, man. Like, I'm just... <laughs> it's just cool. Like, I, I genuinely enjoy driving, whether it's on iRacing or in a race car or on okay. the street. If I don't have to go fast, well, I'm... I'm going to enjoy it, you know, because sometimes I don't necessarily want to go to the destination. So I'll just take my merry time and, you know, enjoy just being behind the wheel. That's cool. That's funny. I was wondering, you know, I, my son just got his license and he, he hasn't been out yet, but I'm sure he, he's raring to go. <laughs> he's raring to go someplace. So you mentioned um, Bubba Wallace as being uh, one of your heroes. And I know he was he was also in the program. What are some of the advice that he's given you as you're coming up in the, in the game? Yeah. Bubba's been, been a great help to me, you know, taking time to, to help me out with things and, you know, you know, making sure that, you know, I, I make good decisions and, you know, don't, 
feed into, you know, hatred and, and bad stuff. And um, he's been really helpful, whether it's actual on the track technique or, you know, how to handle, you know, grumblings that I've had on and off the racetrack or, you know, how to deal with social media and, you know, different steps to take in my career. Um, he's been really helpful to me, especially, you know, the stance he's taken this year. Being, you know, a black kid and from D.C., um, kind of understanding uh, things from this standpoint, um, you know, it's it's big to see him, him not only him uh, take this stance, but to see NASCAR itself, you know, be supportive and, and you know, a lot of people in the sport as well. Um, you know, that, that means a lot to me. Do you have trolls on social media or not really? Eh, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's whatever. It's just Twitter. <laughs> oh, your Twitter. That's that's your uh, social media of choice. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on everything: Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It's just people behind the screen. It's not, you know, a big deal. Even if you know people do mean harm, you know, it's it's no biggie. Okay. I still get to do this, so I I can get all the bad stuff in the world as long as I get to drive race cars. I am happy. That's great. That's fantastic. So I know you're a freshman. You're a freshman in school now. You're this is your um you're in your first year. So at Winston Salem State. Yes, sir. And how was the how's the the transition been so far for you? Um, I mean, it's been pretty solid to be honest with you. It's hard to gauge it because being online. Um, but you know, it's it's a little bit easy to to manage my time, and I say that, and I'm acting like I manage my time well. I really don't. <laughs> but uh, prime example, I got some stuff I got to do tonight before twelve. So oh, okay. Uh oh, um, it's online, so I can't really evaluate it and say, um, oh, this is uh, awesome. You know, I'm having a great time. Like, it's been cool, but, you know, I don't have that, that whole experience. So hopefully, whatever the timetable is for, you know, how the people in power decide to mm-hmm. do the next month, year or two. Um, but reality, uh, you know, that's out of our control. So, you know, I'll just deal with it. And when things can get back to normal or the new normal, then, you know, we'll have fun then. Yeah, and it's interesting. I haven't really i mean you hear the news about college students and the parties and everything and how their covid's really affecting them a lot more and my daughter graduated she had graduated right when covid started so has the university been doing a good job kind of managing the whole uh, coronavirus yeah i think so um just because you know some people are on campus but they've been doing you know social distance distancing um safely up there okay Oh, great, great. Um, recently, you had a, a crash, I guess, in your last race. Is that last race for the year? I believe so. Yeah, you had a crash. So it, was that your first time? Uh, not crashing. I've wrecked before. Okay. Um, but I think that, that's probably the hardest one I've had so far. What were your feelings after it happened? I was honestly just a lot of times, like even, you know, going through the emotions of racing um, for the past year, um, I haven't really, you know, I'm not really a, I feel like I'm energetic, but I'm probably not. Like, I'm just kind of in my own skin a lot of the time. So okay. when, you know, when I won, you know, I wasn't, you know, bouncing off the walls or anything like that. And this, or last weekend, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, down in the dumps and like that, you know, of course I was a little bit disappointed, you know, because you never like to crash and that's more work that uh, your race team and you have to, to do throughout the week to, to get it fixed. But, um, Really, I was just kind of thinking of what I could have done different to not been in that position, and that's really it. You know, it's it's racing is a lot. A lot of it's out of your control. You can do everything right and mm-hmm. still have things not go for you. So, so you thought you you could have you tried to see if you could do anything different. 
So yeah. what was your assessment? Like I had already picked to go to that lane. That person that I hit kind of made an erratic decision the last second after they had been, you know, in a wreck for 10 seconds before. You know, if I had chosen the other lane, I would have missed them. But at the same time, with with the decision, I think I still would have made that still pick to go in that specific place. But you can't really control the other decisions that people make. Right. And it was split seconds. Yeah. Split seconds. Yeah. So so you said you weren't you were just chill when you won. Yeah, I would say so. Why? I mean, and to be honest with you, like through the summer, um, you know, I was thinking like if I ever won this year, I would be so happy and really emotional and all that. But like when, when that happened at Greenville, like I was just like, this is cool. But other than that, like on the ride home, I was just like, oh, that was cool. And then <laughs> I, was I had to get like groceries in the morning. So was, <laughs> like we got back at like two or 3 a.m. So I was like, oh, I got to get up. In the gotta get up. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You kind of even keeled. So who, who do you get that from? I would say my dad. My dad's really chill. Um, okay. You can't really tell if he's truly angry unless, you know, you made him mad. Okay. Um, but um, I think, and basically, I think my whole family is like that. Okay. Uh, I'll give it some to my sister too, my younger sister. Um, you know, she's really cool and she, um, like, she's pretty chill too. So I think that's, that's kind of who I get it from. Like, I'm just, I'm in my own world a lot of the times. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, hey, I, I that's cool. I understand. I saw that you have Hot Wheel models. Yeah, I got some right here. So which one is your favorite? Which which one? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I have a singular favorite. Um, You know, I've, I've got some that I've accumulated while I've been living down here and I got a bunch more back home in D.C. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if I have a, a favorite. And to be honest, not that I'm not surprised they're still around, but I used to co- collect the Hot Wheels. But, you know, of course, I wasn't thinking about driving, just just, just banging them up, crashing them, I think, running, <laughs> have them run into each other uh, and using the track. But uh, they seem a lot more intricate now than they used to uh, yeah. back in the day. So uh, and, and I wasn't sure if you had some that you put together as well. Uh, so when I was younger. Um, you know, I would get white out and color on the, the oh, cars. Okay. Um, and just you know make my own designs of them. Some fantasy ones of myself for if I would be in that car one day, or oh, all right, you know, just mock up paint schemes with like stuff that I liked, like Chips Ahoy or Nike or Zoe One Hundred and One or something. Or oh. So, oh, okay. <laughs> cool, little, cool little stuff for. You oh, know, that's cool. Involved. Yep, yep, yeah, that's awesome. So one of the uh, kind of last questions I like to ask all my guests as black men, there's a lot of times we don't get the opportunity uh, to talk about what's on our mind. And so uh, as a young black man uh, in a field where there aren't as many role models, also at school um, for the first, you know, away from home the first time, what, what's, what's on your mind right now? I think it's really just to make sure that really having to be disciplined and making sure I make the right decisions and, and on top of my school stuff and setting myself up for success, you know, and I have a lot of time in this off season uh, with school ending at Thanksgiving break or Thanksgiving, really that the whole month or two, I, I can really just elevate myself for next year. So it's just, you know, staying disciplined and using my time wisely. I think that's the things that I try to do the most. Um, and I have a long ways to go, but, I always try to be better every day. 
Well, you, yeah, you have a great head on head on your shoulders. Uh, very, um, very chill, which I think it's definitely um, a trait that you probably need in your in t- line of work and in racing because you can't get too get too high or too low. Um, and so I think you're going to do a great job. You know, we you got fans behind you, uh, and so how how can you be followed? You just go to my website, rajakruth.com all my social media on there um and i guess all my, my information um and it's really it aside from racing i'm you know in school but i really got much going on so you go to my website and then i've got all my information on there well, and last thing how how out of the students at winston-salem treat you when they know you're a race car driver yeah so that's another thing like i'm kind of upset i haven't been able to like meet people like that but mm-hmm. online you know um, everybody's been real supportive like after i won a couple weeks ago you know even my teacher was like congrats and stuff so that was that was pretty cool Raja, this has been a pleasure reaching out to you giving us a little bit more uh insight into nascar and your journey and good luck in school and also just good luck in in racing and, and i can't wait to follow you and and see your rise to you for your success i appreciate it thank you mr dan oh you're welcome it's clear this young man has his head on his shoulders and is taking his career and his opportunity for greatness very seriously if you want to follow his career on and off the track go to www.rajakaruth.com this episode was written and produced by keith dent and edited by grace chong if you loved what you heard today drop me a line at info at keithdent.com or subscribe to wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We are on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. As you know, I like to end each episode with a quote, and this one comes from NASCAR great Bubba Wallace. And he says, when you sign up to become something, you're signing up to become something larger than yourself. You represent something more than yourself. Hey, it's me again. We always hear about the victim of an unarmed black man when he's either shot or killed by the police. But what happens to their families? Well, there is a new podcast called Say Their Name, hosted by Chris Colbert of DCP Entertainment. If you're a regular listener to this show, I had him as a guest on episode nine. His podcast will surely tug at your heart. If you don't believe me, check out this trailer. Peace. Whose story? What story? You need to watch the reality. It should make you uncomfortable. We have been too comfortable with too many bad things happening for too long. Her story. Police officer shot and killed a black woman in her own home. Hashtags through history. Incident Police officer incident. shot and killed yeah. a black woman yeah. in her yeah. own home. Say Their Name. Tune in to Say Their Name, a podcast that focuses on the assault and killing of unarmed black people by police and in stand-your-ground states. But my child getting shot in the head, 
60 seconds. That's how long it took. Wasn't no criminal. My baby was a good man, good hardworking man. I'm the mother, father, sister, uncle, grandmother. We were best friends. Gentle, laid back, fun, sweetheart. He was a, a great kid. Always had a smile on his face. This was a person who was our friend, our colleague. Just the opposite of anyone you'd feel you need to defend yourself from. What happens when the hashtag stop? The media leaves, yet the community remains. I know our pain, you know, I want them to know our pain. The community was traumatized and experienced his murder too. Because the only thing they gave me was $60,000. And by the time I got the check, I only had $19,000. Please listen and subscribe to this and other DCP shows at dcpofficial.com on Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, or wherever you get your shows. You know, there's just so much stuff now. So sad that kids can't come outside and play.